0: Hi, everyone. Dave Hagan here. Today, I want to talk about how to understand your monthly cash flow. It's a building block to financial freedom. Are you ready? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagen.
0: Thanks, Nick. A few podcasts ago, I laid out my five steps for financial freedom. For those of you that missed it, here are the steps. One, get rid of the cards. Two, know your flow. Three, eliminate debt immediately Four, create an emergency fund, and five, put 15% into retirement. Today, I want to focus on just step number two, know your flow. In order to fix anything, you first must understand it. To this end, you need to understand your monthly cash flow. This step can be completed in as little as 30 days, but if you have data going back six months, even better. By looking at your income and expenses for one month, though, it'll give you a pretty good idea of what's going on. First, you need to know what's coming in each month. This includes your gross and net income. Many times when I sit down with people, I find it interesting that they don't even know what their gross and net income is. In fact, sometimes they don't even know what the terms mean. Gross is what you make, and net is what you bring home. You should also know if anything else is coming out of your check other than state and federal tax. If there's something that you don't understand, call the payroll department at work and ask some questions. You should also know if you're getting any money from any other sources other than your paycheck, like gifts or interest on investments. Those who own their own business are going to have to do a little more work as they'll need to take an average of six months or so of their income. They should then deduct the different business expenses that come out of that income. What's left over, what's paid out into your pocket is what's known as net income. If anyone were to ask you what you make in a month, you should be able to answer that question in a matter of seconds. Don't actually tell anyone that asked, by the way. I'm just saying that you should have this number at the top of your head because it can shape so many of your life decisions. Second, you need to know what's going out each month. Do you know what you actually spend? You should chart using general categories what's going out each month for housing, utilities, food at home and away from home, transportation, including your car payment, insurance, gas, registration, repairs, entertainment at home and away from home, support, insurance, debt, but not your mortgage, vacation, retirement, and savings. It's not that important that you have the exact right expense categories. Rather, it's important that you have a general idea of where your money's going each month. If you can track all your expenses for a month, that's great. However, if you can produce a monthly average over a six-month period of time, that's probably even better. Now, there's different ways to do this. If you decide to go all cash, simply keep a journal of where every penny goes. If you decide to use a debit card, put all of your transactions on this card, and all of your transactions will automatically be tracked for you. When you get the bill at the end of the month, you got your list. Same would be true of a credit card. Some credit card and debit card companies will actually let you download that data into a program like Quicken, You can look at all of your expenses every month. Many of these expenses can immediately be assigned to a category. This isn't easy, and it's really accurate though, and it's a great way of getting your expenses down onto a single piece of paper. What is tricky is if you're using a couple cards, some cash, and some checks. Now you've got to blend all the information together in a single piece of paper. It's not that difficult, it just takes some time. Now look at your income and expenses. Any surprises there? I can almost guarantee you that some surprises are on that piece of paper. Some people are surprised at spending so much money a month at meals away from home. Some are surprised at how much money they spend on gifts. Most people are shocked at how much they totally spend on their transportation each month. When you add up a car payment, gas, repairs, insurance, and registration, it really adds up quick. Next, look at how much is left over for you every month. For most people, it's nothing. The key to financial success is to have something left over for yourself each month so that you can use it in a thoughtful, meaningful, powerful way. You can't do it if there's nothing left over for you. Obviously, the simple answer to having money left over each month is to either increase income or decrease spending. Sounds almost too simple, right? The idea is to maximize that gap and to have that money working for you on a monthly basis. Again, this isn't that complicated in terms of general concepts. Putting it into practice and sticking with it is the real challenge. A plan to increase spending or more particularly to reduce spending is what most people call a budget. I'm not a fan of anyone going on a budget. A budget's like a diet. As soon as you're on one you can hardly wait to get off it. Rather I prefer to think of it as a spending plan. A thoughtful plan on where you want to spend your money and what you want it to do for you each month a plan to getting you exactly where you want to be some years down the line. Now, we we put together a monthly spending tool. It's only a couple of pieces of paper that you can use to uh, tally up your income and your expenses. It automatically totals up the numbers and helps you determine where you want to create some money each month to spend on yourself. If you want a free copy of this tool, shoot us an email at dave at com. That's dave at com. We'll send it out to you by email right away. It's a super simple tool, but we put some automation features into it to make coming up with your monthly spending plan actually kind of fun. That's dave at DavidRhagen.com. This is David Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails.
0: All right, we're back. We've got some time for an email. I've got with me again today my longtime colleague and friend, Brian Reed. He's been looking through the emails that are coming in and has picked out one that's a little unique and special for us. Brian, what do you got?
2: All right. This is from Carol, and she writes, Hey, Dave, I am a single mother of three. I have a decent job and am doing a pretty good job of providing for my family. Unfortunately, I have accumulated about $20,000 on four cards over the past five or so years. The payments are now starting to kill me. They total almost $800 per month. I recently got a credit card application for $20,000. Better yet, it offers no interest for one year. Should I cash advance on this card to pay off the older cards? Thanks in advance for any advice you could provide.
0: Wow, tough bind there for Carol. Um, I don't know that I would ever advise anyone to cash advance on uh, credit cards. Show me someone that's cash advancing, and I'll show you someone that's uh, in extreme financial trouble and and probably terminal. Um, Also, uh, cash advances typically have a higher interest rate and and usually have a a finance charge attached. So um, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do. Now, that being said, if she could get a year of not having to pay and she was able to save up some money, maybe that's something that she would consider. But probably what will happen is she won't be making those payments every month, and her lifestyle will increase, and she won't have any money saved up after a year. And now she's got these recent $20,000 with a higher interest rate, with um, some transactional charges, and if she ever needed to resort to bankruptcy, the credit card companies. Are more inclined to come back and say, "Hey, you got that twenty thousand just a year ago? We don't think you had the ability or the reasonable expectation that you'd be able to repay us back," and they'd, they'd sue her for non-dischargeability of that debt in the bankruptcy. So, I don't know. I'm 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 very enticed by the the year with no payments, uh, but I think the other uh, the other things that go along with it are negative enough that uh, maybe she probably. She probably shouldn't do that.
2: Now, what if it was a balance transfer offer and not a cash advance?
0: Well, I, my experience has been that the credit card companies don't view a balance transfer as negatively as a cash advance. Uh, they know that the the money went to another count. With a cash advance, it's almost like they think that you had a party and didn't invite them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the case with a, uh, with a balance transfer. But I, I think there's some risk, um, still that the, the they would attack in the event it doesn't go as, as planned. Um, I would hope that you know she would um, use our one of our steps from our financial freedom plan and just try and chunk this debt down. I mean, maybe she takes a year and, and says, hey, I'm going to do everything that I can to chunk this debt down and, and get out of this. Unfortunately, that's kind of tough to do because a single mother of three has really got her hands full. Uh, A single mother of three is a a saint, a very selfless person. That's a tough job. Um, I I wonder if there's other sources of income. I wonder about the, um, you know, the father of the kids, if that father's contributing. Um, Again, are there some things she could could do after hours, perhaps? Um, Is there something she could do maybe during one particular season, like the holidays, where she could pick up some extra money? It's pretty tough, pretty, pretty tough.
2: You know, it's. I'm in total agreement with you on that. The, now, what do you think if she knew that she was going to have some more money coming in, like there was going to be an increase in her pay? If this actually is a balance transfer and no interest for one year, would you advise, knowing that there is going to be an increase in income,
0: I, you know what? I, I don't think I would because uh, the $20,000 is going to have a higher interest rate, you know, the new loan, and she's going to be using her pay increase to pay a higher uh, interest rate on the debt. I'm I'm not sure that I would. The big thing to focus on, I think, is what's going to happen during that year. Is there something unique during that year that's going to help her, you know, beat this heavy burden? If not, she's better off staying, staying where she's at. That, that's that's what I would do that's what I would do but that's pretty tough. twenty thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot in the overall cosmic scope of things unless of course you owe it then it's <laughs> right then it's this big log sitting in your eye causing you all this discomfort and twenty thousand bucks is nothing uh, nothing to sneeze at so that's the best that uh, that's the best advice I have for that Carol hang in there and uh, take care of those kids. Um, again, you're, you're a saint, and we appreciate everything that you're doing for those kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. How about another one? We got another call today or another email today?
2: Uh, I think we might have time for one more. Here we go. This is from Bill. He writes, Dave, I am married and we have two kids. We both work and make decent money, although a lot of it goes to rent and daycare for the kids. We have two cars that we make payments on and an emergency fund, just like you recommended, of about $6,000. I was recently in a bad auto accident that the police report says is my fault. It really was not. The guy in front of me just stopped on the freeway for no reason. In any event, I hit him and pushed him into the car in front of him. So now there are three damaged cars, and the guy in the car in front of me is unfortunately really messed up, and he has been in the hospital for three weeks. I have the basic policy required in California. It has liability limits of 1530. I'm not too sure what that actually means. Now I get a letter from my insurance company telling me that I might not have enough insurance coverage to cover all the damage. The letter tells me that I should consult with a lawyer to discuss asset protection. Any thoughts?
0: Well, I think Bill's in a, in a tough spot. Um, Bill, a couple of a couple of thoughts right off the that just jump right out of your email. You've you've got auto limits of of fifteen thirty. That's fifteen thousand dollars of coverage per person and thirty thousand dollars of liability coverage per event or per accident. That means that the most your insurance company is going to pay out on this is thirty thousand um, dollars. in California that's hardly getting to the starting gate with a very difficult accident and potential litigation. So, um, you know, the first thing that you need to do is you need to get better insurance. You should be carrying thirty, sixty, or at least 100, 300, especially in California where everyone drives around like a, you know, a bunch of nuts. Um, secondly, it seems to me that if you're carrying fifteen, thirty, uh, you might want to have a conversation with um, the person that sold you the the insurance. If anyone advised you only to carry this amount, um they could have some exposure in, in terms of the advice that they gave you again 1530 is nothing 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 now what else could you do you could you could certainly you know file some kind of a bankruptcy but we'd have to look at your income and we'd have to look at your assets and those kinds of things that may be where you are headed but before you go ahead and run off and do that what i would do would be to retain bankruptcy counsel and have that attorney coordinate with the attorney that your insurance company is hiring to see whether they can get the thing settled for the policy limits. If they go towards the people that were injured and explain to them in a thoughtful and, and kind way that this is all the exposure or all the coverage that there is, they may just take that money and be done, even though the value of their claim against you could, at least from what I'm seeing here, could be considerably um, higher. Now, you could always go to trial and, and litigate fault. Um, your, your insurance attorneys would probably stick with you, um, although not necessarily, but typically would stick th- with you through that. But you never know how that's going to that's gonna turn out as well. Um, this is an issue, I think, where the, the horse is already out of the barn. You, you've had the accident. Um, you don't have enough coverage. Everybody should take a look at their insurance policy make sure they've got enough coverage. I also think that people should have some coverage for um, homeowners or renters. So in case the mailman slips on a skateboard that your kid left up on the stairs, um, there's some kind of coverage for that. Um, but uh, absent that, the horses horse is already out of the barn. Brian, what do you think?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm right there with you again on uh, this one. Again, certain basic things that you've got to make sure that you're covering. I, you know, And I, it makes me kind of wonder... You know, okay, what is going on with the kids? Are they in too many events? There are some things that, you know, some expenses you just have to find a way to get rid of to make sure that you have the basics covered. You know, an increase in in an auto insurance policy from you know fifteen thirty up to thirty sixty or as you recommend, one hundred thirty. Okay, you know, depending on your driving history, I got to imagine that maybe it's another hundred bucks a month. I don't know, but I'm saying that it's a small price to pay to avoid the situation that unfortunately these guys are in now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there are some solutions. Um, Talk with uh, bankruptcy counsel, someone that's going to look at asset protection planning. Doesn't look like you have a lot of assets that you need to protect, but. go ahead and talk with somebody and and then have that person uh, coordinate with the attorney that's uh, defending you in the in the action well that's that's all the time that we have here today so if you like what you're hearing make sure you subscribe so that you get notice of future podcasts and if uh, you think that this is helpful or interesting to somebody else make sure you share the podcast with them this is david hagen and you're listening to the financial wellness podcast
1: You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.